The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello and welcome to Know the Score. Know the Score is a CSPN production. We are being brought to you on the CSPN.us. You can also find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio and Google Play. I'm one of your co-hosts, Don Delorente, and I'm joined by my other co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not too much. Um, World Cup in full swing, free agency's been... Insane and training camp soon come. All right, all right. So we'll get right into it, man. As this week the NBA awards were handed out, so we'll run through those really fast and see if you had any discrepancies in what the national writers uh, voted as far as the winners. The sixth man of the year, Lou Williams of the Los Angeles Clippers. The most improved, Victor Oladipo of the Indiana Pacers. The Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz. The Coach of the Year, Dwayne Casey of the Toronto Raptors. Rookie of the Year, much contested, Ben Simmons, Philadelphia 76ers. And the MVP of the NBA for 2018, James Harden of the Houston Rockets. So, Dwayne, I'm going to uh, we're going to start at coach of the year because I think that this maybe raised the most eyebrows. But I don't think Brad Stevens even got a first place vote for uh, coach of the year in the uh, in the voting. So talk about, you know, if that miffed you or not. And if you agree with Dwayne Casey winning this year's coach of the year. Yeah, I thought that it was the right choice considering it is a regular season award. And Dwayne Casey, in spite of the circumstances that happened after the playoffs, he did guide the Toronto Raptors to a very well 59-23 and 23 record, franchise record for wins, first ever postseason number one seed in franchise history. So in spite of the fact that he did get let go at the end of the season for the lack of postseason success, uh, I do give him a tremendous ton of credit for winning the Coach of the Year award, for winning those games. Uh, he is a remarkable coach. The Detroit Pistons are going to be in good hands and, and should uh, be able to track forward. Now, what I, who I thought should have been Coach of the Year, my personal vote would have been for Brett Brown because look what he did with the Sixers, uh, taking them to... 10 and 72 a year ago. People called for his head for a very long time. He stays with the process and ends up getting to the Eastern Conference semifinals. And if he doesn't win um, this year, I mean, he's going to win in the future. Very good coach. All right. Now let's talk about the rookie of the year. Are you, um, you know, this is a really close race. Uh, a lot of people, you know, really thought 
uh, Spider-Man out there in, in Utah was, was going to, you know, make this a little bit closer than it actually ended up being. Ben Simmons seemed to actually run away with it. Um, who would have been your rookie of the year? Do you agree with Ben Simmons or would you go with Donovan Mitchell out in Utah? I think Ben Simmons won the rookie of the year. I mean, you know, the, you have to play a certain amount of games and qualify. And in spite of the fact he was under contract last year, he did not play. So in, in essence, he's not a, he's eligible for rookie of the year. I mean, there's precedence, Blake Griffin, Joel Embiid, and so it was well-deserved. The numbers were overwhelmingly there, and in spite of Donovan Mitchell's whining rookie campaign, this is who it was based on the numbers. I mean, don't get me wrong, Mitchell put up great numbers. Jason Tatum uh, made it a real close race. I mean, he grew up tremendously. I think if he extended the the criteria from the regular season through the postseason, I think Jason Tatum would have probably overtook Donovan Mitchell for second in rookie of the year voting, but um, it's well-deserved for Ben Simmons, and congratulations to him, man, for the uh, Sixers organization there. All right. Well, I thought it was really cool that uh, Victor Oladipo and Lou Williams got recognized for the seasons that they had. Even though, you know, in Lou Williams' case, his team didn't really have that much success. But in Victor Oladipo's case, his team did make a playoff run. Uh, gave us a very exciting series against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I'm glad that those two guys got some recognition. And then moving on to the MVP, I guess it's LeBron's to win every year. But it's just a matter of, you know, do the voters feel like, you know, they want to give it to him or kind of shake it up. Do you feel like James Harden winning the MVP award this year was maybe a makeup for last year because, uh, you know, he was probably going to win it. And then Russ went out and did something that nobody had seen in 50 years. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could say it was a makeup, but let's be honest. I mean, James Harden was playing out of his mind at the start of the season. Um, he was one of the main reasons why the Rockets got off to that quick start. Uh, you could say it is an apology and say, hey, our bad. But, I mean, last year, like you said, I mean, Russ went on something that was very special that was very hard to ignore. So, um, averaging that triple-double. So, um, James Harden finally got that elusive award. Um, it's kind of like we know LeBron is, like, the best player in the world right now. And, you know, it'd be just repetitive to give him the MVP. But uh, I wouldn't even say, I mean, we know how valuable he was to the Cavaliers and, but James Harden was just valuable to the Rockets. I mean, I don't think Chris Paul would have maintained that stretch if Harden was out. So, hats uh, off to James Harden on that one. All right. So, after the awards, that shifts us right into NBA free agency. So, the first domino to fall was Paul George electing to stay in Oklahoma City. The Oklahoma City Thunder took a big gamble and they, you know, traded for a guy who was in the last year of his contract and they, you know, did enough to convince him to stay uh, to, you know, try it one more time with Russ and Carmelo and, you know, their draft picks and, and you know, whatever free agents they're going to add. So, 
I'm going to ask you straight out. Do you think that this was a championship winning move by Paul George? I think it was more of a championship winning move from the Oklahoma City Thunder organization and Sam Presti. Remember when they did not offer James Harden that deal because they wanted to not pay the luxury tax, right? So with that being said, you take this gamble on Paul George and you go ahead and you go ahead and make this move so you can, you know, be a contender, be a be a winner and keep uh, Russell Westbrook happy. So um do I say it was a championship move for Paul George? As long as he and as long as Carmelo Anthony doesn't get the ball, I think it's a better move. I mean we saw how good the team was without Melo on the floor. So uh, Carmelo can kind of fall in line a little bit and not let him keep his ego in check. We might have something here. So I, I think year one was kind of a – it left an impression on Paul George, apparently. Russell Westbrook left a good impression on him to convince him to stay. I I like the move. I like I like it for the small – for the small market to continue to, you know, stay relevant because um, if they just have Russell, it's going to be a long road back to relevancy for the Thunder. All right. And then shortly after the Paul George announcement was made, LeBron James opted out of his contract to remain with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then a few days later, he agreed to a four-year $150 million deal to join the Los Angeles Lakers. So the speculation uh, becomes the truth as everybody was thinking the Lakers was going to be the, the the destination. Now that LeBron has landed uh, in Los Angeles, um, how does this shape up uh, their roster? Who do you think is the biggest winner and the biggest loser from LeBron becoming a Laker as far as young players who are already on the team? The winner is Lonzo. Actually, the loser will be Lonzo Ball because they're kind of the same player in ball distribution. The winner would be Kyle Kuzma. LeBron kicks it out. Kuzma's on the wing, and there's a shot. So I think Kuzma's the winner. Lonzo's probably the loser out of all this. Okay. And, uh, you know, you picking Lonzo as the loser uh, gains that much more uh, of a highlight on it as Rondo, Rajon Rondo, has signed a one year deal with the Lakers. And then the Lakers rescinded Julius Randle's contract uh, his final year. So that makes him a free agent. And then he signed with the Pelicans. So almost like they traded in essence. Um, so what do you think about, you know, Rondo joining the Lakers, uh, another, you know, the, the pure point guard LeBron has never really had since maybe Eric Snow back in the day. And now um, Julius Randle also, what effect do you think that he will add to the uh, Pelicans? It's going to be a good move for Rondo. Um, like I said, this makes Lonzo bigger, an even bigger Loser, maybe on the way out or something of the sort. And then on the flip side for Julius Randle, uh, they get that replacement um, player. I mean, you got another Kentucky duo with Anthony Davis since uh, DeMarcus Cousins left. And now you got. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't get to that. 
but um, it was a good move for Randall. He was pretty much the odd man out for quite some time, and he's going to be uh, clearly, he clearly was the odd man out, and once they rescinded the contract, uh, good riddance to, I want to say good riddance, that's probably the Laker fan mindset, but um, the Lakers are really shaping up to once again be a force in the West that could be a dormant for so long. You know who's really happy about this Julius uh, Randle coming over to uh, the Pelicans? It's got to be Alvin Gentry, because if Alvin Gentry is kind of looking at him the way that I've kind of looked at him, the way he's kind of hustled and kind of worked his way into being a valuable member of the team of the Lakers when it was kind of like, you know, he was on the fringe at the end of the bench there and, and getting DMPs, but he worked his way back into the lineup. I think he's kind of a, a lesser Draymond Green. And, you know, Alvin Gentry comes from that Steve Kerr, um, um, Mike D'Antoni kind of coaching tree where that power forward, if he can, you know, step out, shoot threes and, and defend multiple positions is the whole, you know, key to, you know, how that thing works. So if Julius Randle can kind of, you know, keep that same mind state, keep improving his outside shot and keep working hard, I think that he could kind of be their, you know, version of Draymond Green to kind of get their system going up and, and running. Yeah, I think he's more of a scorer. I think he's a better – I think he's more of a scorer. I like his – I like his physical play, his physical prowess, and of that sort. So it's a good move. All right, all right. And now the Lakers also um, – they're going to keep uh, Josh Hart, and they also resign uh, uh, Caldwell Pope. So, you know, that's their wing players. They also added JaVale McGee from the Warriors. Now, that JaVale McGee signing left a void on the Warriors. And, you know, everybody was thinking, mm, there's nobody really out there. Everybody was kind of, um, you know, just like, oh, well, I guess they'll get somebody, you know, just to kind of fill the spot of warm body. And then something strange happened. Boogie Cousins picked up his telephone and called Bob Myers, the GM of the Golden State Warriors, and said, hey, Bob Myers, I ain't got no offers. It's been, you know, a week leading up to free agency. It's been three days into free agency. I'm injured. Nobody knows what my status is. They don't believe me. I'm going to be healthy for training camp. So I want to come play for you guys for the mid-level exception. So Boogie Cousins is going to join the Warriors at, for one year at $5.3 million. And this just upset all of LeBron's news. The whole you know, seismic shift in the West just shook again because, you know, here's Golden State with a fifth all-star who basically said, I'll give up the money just to have somewhere to play and why not go play with the team that's doing it the best right now? So talk about the Warriors stealing LeBron shine by adding Boogie Cousins. Well, actually, Boogie Cousins added himself to the Warriors. Let's get this right. This wasn't really the Warriors seeking him out. He seeked them out. Yeah, so this was probably the biggest shock. As he alluded to during the Olympic, um, the Olympics of 2014. And so the, uh, the hey, this is see what you got. Um, see what you got. Prove yourself on the 
roster and everything. And man, once again, how the war that you want not to pockets you have. Think anybody that could privately fund an arena in San Francisco has no problem paying a luxury tax, a repeater tax to keep this thing going. And that's exactly what's happening right now. So, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting season. I want to be tired all the time trying to stay up watching these West Coast games. And it's going to be one insane kind of uh, playoffs a year from now when we're talking about these uh, free agencies and moves a year from now. It's going to be wondering just who's next to go west. All right. And then, of course, with LeBron going over to the Lakers and joining the Western Conference, that opens up a void in the east. So teams like Washington, Toronto, Boston, you know, they think that now they have a chance to maybe get their uh, chance to go to the finals in breaking news. That is just, you know, moments old Jimmy Butler doesn't plan to sign an extension with the Timberwolves. It seems that him and Carl Anthony towns are having issues and Jimmy Butler is looking to link up with Kyrie Irving in Boston and try to make a run and making the NBA finals if Boston can get, you know, their team back to hundred percent health and, re- and remain healthy throughout the year. So if Jimmy Butler can find a way to get himself to Boston, maybe he's the next player to take the mid-level exception. If he can get his way to Boston, does that make Boston your favorite to go to the uh, finals for next season? I would say so. I mean, just think with the roster they had with Alps, Kyrie Irving or Gordon Hayward, they were a win away from the finals. So you get Irving back, you would get Hayward back. Um, you re-signed Aaron Baines to a two-year deal. Uh, you got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Kyle, Kawhi Leonard already said he doesn't want to extend with Boston, so that takes that equation on out. And then, so, yeah, if you want to get somebody that wants to be there, get Jimmy Butler for the mid-level, uh, see how it works out, make a run to the finals. This team has what it takes. They have the coaching. They have the... They have the personnel, and we'll just have to see where things go from there. I, I wouldn't mind having um, Jimmy Butler there if he wants to join up, link up with Kyrie. Welcome. Come on down. We'd love to have you in, in B-Town. We're in the middle of two eras right now. We're in the middle of the LeBron exercise your power, go play with where you want to in your free agency thing, super team, quote unquote era. But we're also entering this new kind of KD take less money to be a part of a team and win something significant era too. Because if there's ever been a quote unquote me player, it's always been Boogie Cousins. You know, nobody has ever looked at him as a team first guy, but him taking this pay cut, to join the Warriors at a significant 
uh, cut to what he's worth is kind of like the second big step in somebody who said, you know, I'd rather take less money and be a part of this great team and, 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 and get a part of that winning culture and win it. You know, mostly when guys are old and they're chasing rings at the end of their career, they'll do that. But players this good, all-stars in their prime, you know, this is something brand spanking new. And I think that Boogie Cousins and Jimmy Butler might just be, you know, following in kind of KD steps. So we're kind of like in two, in the middle of two different things happening right now. Agreed. And, but I would also, I would also say that, you know, prior to KD doing the sacrifice, I mean, Steph Curry took less as well before he signed his big extension. And don't forget, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh all sacrificed a little bit. So they could play together in Miami as well. And I think KD learned from that in 2012 when the Thunder lost to the Miami Heat in the finals. So I think we also got to just remember uh, where it came from. And then also Kevin Durant has loved the West Coast too. Right. Let me, let me jump into here, though. But, I mean, sacrificing a little bit ain't the mid-level exception when you're Boogie Cousins injury or not, though. This is true. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with that um, whatsoever, you know, for somebody in this prime. Um, but I think we saw flashes of Cousins being more of a team. I mean, he was on the bench quite a bit during the Pelicans' uh, playoff run. He was cheering the guys on. I mean, of course, he would love to be out there, but, you know, I never, I would thought maybe he would just be at home resting his foot up, propping his foot up, drinking a cold one or something of that sort. But he was actually there, you know, he was there pretty much most of that playoff run. It's kind of left an impression on me that he's not as selfish or perceived as selfish as we originally thought. So, um but, yeah, that was a huge sacrifice, you know, to take a $5.3 million one-year deal to, you know, have a have a chance to win a ring, you know. That's how valuable – I mean, people don't want to go through their careers now without, you know, having a shot, you know, to get that championship ring. They don't want to look like Ewing or Barkley or, or – uh, those kind of Reggie Miller, those kind of uh, players, you know, great talent, no right? Right. Before we leave the NBA, I just want to get your thoughts, Dwayne, on uh, the Kawhi Leonard situation with the Spurs. It looks like with all these, you know, free agency moves moving so fast that maybe they may be in a situation where the Lakers don't necessarily have to trade for him because they know he doesn't want to be in San Antonio. So he's a free agent. They'll just pay him all the money in the world that they can after they see their team with LeBron and these young guys and LeBron gets to pick and choose who he likes and doesn't like. And they kind of, you know, get to fine tune in. So where do you see uh, Kawhi and the Spurs? Is this going to be a stalemate where will Kawhi just sit out and, you know, they're not paying for a year because he's not performing? Or do, do you think he gets traded at the All-Star break or before the season? Uh, kind of what do you foresee in your, you know, crystal ball with Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs? Oh, man, this is so really – this is like the definition of his complicated, complicated <laughs> status because, you know, the, the best package that was presented to the Spurs came from the Celtics. And, of course, the Celtics – are going to give up their two prize 
young gun treasury trouble picks for a one year rental. So that's out. Um, you have also the situation with the Lakers who do not want to give up Kyle Kuzma, who's probably the biggest trade assets that the Spurs wanted. So that's out. Kawhi is not going back to San Antonio. I don't see him going back. I think I think irreconcilable differences is what they're going to file the divorce papers because it's not looking good at all. Um, so I, I would see. I would not be surprised if he did sit it out, and the Spurs just have to find a way to find a trade package that will that will appease them and and um, a place where Kawhi will sign an extension because unless you're a team that's desperate for a playoff spot and are willing to take a year gamble uh, on a rental then you go for it but if you're not going to take the rental year for Kawhi uh, don't be surprised if he doesn't sit out because uh, whoever's in his ear right now or if this is exactly how he's feeling, this is so. This has just been uh, ugly divorces. It's continuing to get uglier by the day. The Spurs are trying to reconcile the situation, but it's really going to be up to Leonard at this point. Right. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to be a, a trade situation just because the free agency just moves so fast. So it's going to get a lot uglier before it gets better as far as the Spurs and Kawhi Leonard dealing with each other go. So, you know, hopefully it, it works itself out. And uh, like you said, the earlier, the better it was as far as the, the packages they were going to get. But now with everybody committing to the money, you know, it's going to be a lot harder to, to make these trades happen. So uh, we'll keep you guys uh, abreast of what happens with Kawhi Leonard and his situation. So, Dwayne, we're going to shift over to the World Cup as we had some interesting things leading up to the knockout stage as Germany gets upset and doesn't advance as we had uh, the new fair play rule coming to uh, uh, play as a couple of teams got eliminated because they had too many uh, yellow cards and red cards. So let me get your your thoughts first on the fair play rule, um, you know, costing, you know, teams like Nigeria and Senegal their chance to advance. I think the fair play rule is bogus, it's laughable. Um, I don't know if you just have these two meet somewhere and just do a penalty shootout for the right to for the right to move on, but they need to I think it needs to be addressed and fixed. And that way we can have some kind of um, Something that's better that's, that better benefits uh, these teams. Um, I think for a team to get eliminated because they had more yellow cards is just not a determining. It should be a determining factor. I mean, Senegal got hosed on it. Nigeria got hosed on it. I think it's something they need to look at for the next World Cup. 
All right. Now talk about uh, Germany. Uh, really, you know, disappointing in this World Cup. I mean, they lost to Mexico in their opener. They needed a miracle to beat uh, Sweden. And then, you know, they, they lose their, their third game here. So just talk about how disappointing the German side was as defending World Cup champions. Very disappointing. Um, very shocking, too, the way they just went out. Um, I thought it'd be more of a a battle, a more of a more of a fight from these guys, but it looked like they were just checked out. Uh, what made it worse was that Mexico was literally trying to give them the game, and Germany just did not want to have it because <laughs> Mexico was looking horrible against Sweden, and and it was just one of those one of those games where nothing was going right for Germany and at the end of the day they got the boot alright so the matchups in the knockout stage of the World Cup we had France versus Argentina we had Spain versus Russia we had Brazil versus Mexico Uruguay versus Portugal Croatia versus Denmark Belgium versus Japan Switzerland versus Sweden and Colombia versus England so we'll start with one of the most exciting soccer games that I've seen in a long time and this uh, knockout stage has been very exciting, to be honest with you. Uh, France beating Argentina 5-4. to four. You had nine total goals in this game. You had the young boy, I can't say his name, so help me out here, Dwayne, scoring two goals in the knockouts, his first ever knockout stage game. The first since Pepe. Yes, the first since Pepe to ever... Uh, accomplish that Pele, excuse me to to accomplish that. So um, another disappointment for Messi in the world cup, but France uh, talk about them and their advancement. And uh, are they maybe the favorites now as we, you know, things shape up in the knockout stage? Yes, they are. Um, They have the speed. They have the, they have the quickness. They have the counterattack. Pretty much to knock out anybody in this tournament. Uh, it's going to be much like the Germans here. They beat themselves. It's the only way they're going to lose. So, or they come up against a tough opponent like maybe a Brazil or something of that sort, or a team that's having a lot of good luck right now, like a Russia or something. So. This team is really a force to be reckoned with. I think they are the favorites. Uh, they did one heck of a job in this game. Um, you know, Argentina battled, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, France found a way to get that W. All right. And then we had the upset of maybe the tournament so far as Russia advances via penalty kicks as they scored first and then Spain rallied and then the game ended uh, drawed at one-to-one. So through the extra time, we got penalty kicks and Russia, the host country, is moving on. So, um, you know, nobody expected Russia to even get to the knockout round. So them getting to uh, the final eight is even, uh, you know, a bigger shock. But, you know, uh, a feel-good story for the for the host country. Um, what do you you know, outlook on Russia moving forward. How do you feel that they've got in their next matchup? How do you feel that they will uh, do? Well, I mean, they beat the def- they beat the uh, 2010 World 
Cup champs who were number one in the world, even after their coach got dismissed a few days before the match began. But uh, even at the end of the day, it looked like Spain was just, you know, they were playing like they had the lead, but they just did not have the lead at all. And it's just one of those things, like, what are you guys doing? Why are you guys playing like this? And, you know, Russell's, Russell's strategy, I mean, especially when he got the extra time, this strategy was just get it to penalty kicks and anything can happen. And sure enough, that's exactly what paid off there for them. So um, in their next matchup, they got Denmark next. And, you know, this is the team that we might see in the semifinals uh, because, uh, you know, Denmark is – I mean, Denmark's not a bad team. I mean, they're there for a reason. But at the same time, or is it Croatia? It's probably one of those. Let me see who it is. Uh, but uh, I think it is Denmark. But um, No, it's Croatia. Croatia won via oh, Croatia the penalty won. kicks. Okay, so yep. Croatia, I'm sorry. Uh, my apologies to they had Lover and a Liverpool. So, um, so um Croatia, though, at the end of this, they, I think Croatia has more talent than Russia, but we clearly saw, I mean, Spain has the most talent in the tournament, but you got to play the game on the field, so it's going to be a very interesting matchup, to say the least. Next up, we had Brazil looking pretty dominant against Mexico, two to nothing. I think the story coming out of this game will be the theatrics of Neymar continue. The Mexican coach was not happy with uh, the excessive uh, theatrics of one of the best players in the world. So talk about Neymar and his reputation. Do you feel that it's bringing a bad light onto the sport? Um, You know, just how much he's flopping and flailing? Uh, I think it is kind of excessive, to say the least. You know, I try not to pay too much attention on Neymar and what his theatrics are. However, I will say that uh, I will say that I do not disagree with the way you know the coach of Mexico felt feels about that or felt about that. Uh, he does have a lot of um, excessiveness. Uh, he does flop like a fish, but uh, um, he's still one of the best players in the world uh, at the end of the day. So, um, And he doesn't really need to do all that if, if we're being honest, but things happen. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with all right. Uruguay, proving that they're still one of the best teams in the world as they knocked off Cristiano Ronaldo and Portugal to the one. But they suffer a devastating injury to Cavalli as he hurts his calf and his status is questionable for their next game. Um, talk about Uruguay's injury, um, you know, just how this injury will affect them moving into the next round. Um, you know, great sportsmanship by Ronaldo helping Cavalli off. But, um, you know, if he doesn't recover in time for the next round, uh, how do you see that affecting Uruguay? It will affect them in the whole way because they play France in that next game. 
And if France plays like they did against Argentina, it's bye-bye Uruguay. <laughs> Plain and simple. Um, they, uh, injury was pretty bad, um, but it's going to be a tall task. I know Luis Suarez is one of the best goal scorers in the world. Um, I don't think he can get away with biting about two or three French people. So that's not going to... So that's probably the only way they would have a chance. But, um, but like I said, in this World Cup, we have seen that, to say the least. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Croatia will advance as they beat Denmark on uh, penalty kicks as well. And then another game that was just uh, remarkable to watch is just the ebb and flow. Belgium rallies from a 2-0 hole to ultimately win with a goal in the last seconds of stoppage time to beat Japan 3-2. Japan was cruising along. They had the whole world stunned. They were up two to nothing. And then in just a five-minute lightning strike, Belgium tied the game up. And then we were just holding on to our seats as we got down to the you know end of regular time and then stoppage time in Belgium with literally the last rush. It went from Japan almost scoring to Belgium blocking it and taking it on a counterattack and just getting a beautiful goal to, to win this game. So I'm going to ask you this question. What's up with Belgium? Why were they so stagnant in this game. This wasn't like any game they've played so far in the World Cup. Uh, do you see any cracks in their armor that will definitely hurt them in the uh, next round? I won't say there's cracks in the armor. I think Japan had a good game going on to start off with. And then uh, because Japan is, I mean, it's not like Japan is a slouch. That's not, uh, it's not, uh, even that, um, you know, I think Belgium, Kind of was cruising in the game. Japan had got a couple of quick strikes that went in. And, you know, then it's kind of like woke up the beast. Like, okay, we need to stop really playing with these guys and get things going. And and then this is probably, this was a recipe for the best game. Um, I will say this, though. Um, they do play that lackadaisical that kind of like letting that feeling out of kind of stage of the game. If they do that against Brazil, they will not last whatsoever. So um, Belgium did get the win. Good job by them. But uh, they got to do a better job of tightening up. The Today, as, as we are recording this, Sweden... They defeated Switzerland one to nothing. Uh, Switzerland had a lot of chances near the end, but uh, Sweden's defense uh, prevailed. And so Sweden will advance into the next round. And as we are recording currently, it is one nothing England over Colombia. Harry Kane has struck again as uh, he's putting the English shot up there about 73, 74 minutes into that match. So it looks like England, you know, may be uh, moving on to the next round. But Colombia's dangerous, so this game could get tied up at any second. So um, just those two uh, games, uh, any any uh, you know 
analysis you want to add between Switzerland and uh, Sweden and then the ongoing game between Colombia and England? Um, for the most part, I would say in the um, Switzerland-Sweden game, Switzerland had their chances but couldn't convert. That's led that disappointing as I thought they were the better team over Sweden. Um, Harry Kane doing Harry Kane things and and uh, for England and then that's really where we're at with that right now. I think the um, winner of the Columbia England game should get to the semis with a problem. Um, a matchup that you're looking forward to and the, I guess the most intriguing one would be kind of the Brazil Belgium game. Could be a lot of fireworks in yes. that one. Yes. That's, gonna, that's my favorite one. All right. All right. So again, uh, we're moving into the final eight of the world cup. We got a couple of more weekends left and then we'll be in the finals. So, you know, it's heating up, getting, you know, more exciting. Uh, if you guys saw that Belgium and Japan game live, uh, that was just uh, amazing. Uh, that final run on that counterattack to get that goal with literally uh, like five or six seconds less than stoppage time. So uh, it's been exciting so far and it only should get better from here. This week's episode of Know the Score is being brought to you by Amazon.com. Use Amazon.com to help keep the podcast free each and every week. All you have to do is go on CSPN.us, click on the menu tab, then click on the banner that says keep our podcast free. Once that uh, banner opens up, then the first tab you can click on is Amazon. Do your shopping as you normally would with Amazon and some of your purchase comes back to the CSPN so we can help keep Know the Score and all the other podcasts on the network free each and every week. So Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Dwayne, our final bit of business we're going to talk about is we've got some NFL news as Jameis Winston. He is going to be suspended the first three games of the season because of an incident with an Uber driver. Um, Jameis basically took a plea. He didn't fight it. He didn't want an appeal. He, you know, in in essence, took, uh, you know, admitted that something did happen. But, you know, for the sake of, I guess, getting it over with or whatever, he's, um, you know, just going to take his punishment and miss his three games. This has caused a lot of outrage because of, you know, Jameis's past history, um, you know, with, uh, you know, sexual assaults and, and accusations and, you know, um, cases as, as far as that goes. Um, when you first heard about the incident and, uh, you know, suspension coming down and him not appealing it, did you think that uh, this was a case where maybe Jameis might even, you know, get banned from the NFL? I thought the, I don't think he got banned from the NFL. I thought he would have got a heavier suspension, and it just really shows how much of a joke that you know we talked about the whole anthem and flag debate and the um, how the new policy for that. Yet you know, sexual assault happens, and you only get three games. It's really a slap on the wrist. It's really a disgrace. Uh, never really been a Jameis Winston fan anyway, even if I 
did not hate Florida State. I was not real big on James Wilson as a character guy. Uh, but it's something that, like I said, just doesn't surprise me. And, and uh, you know, three games just isn't enough. It should have been maybe at least, you know, half the season. Uh, but, you know, a life, I, I think a ban would have been too much, but at least it's been them half the season or majority of the season to show that they don't take. I think, I think the agreed baseline, the, the entry level was supposed to be yeah. six is what they established with the Ray Rice situation. But as we've seen through numerous cases, guys are getting yeah. far less than six. And, and it's, I agree. And, you know, Ray Rice, not only did he get six, like he has not had an NFL job since then. And right. You know, if I'm the, if I'm the team, I, you know, do you take a bigger stance or do you let this go because, you know, you're probably the least relevant team in your division and you need, you need him and you got all that money invested in him. Uh, do you just look the other way, which apparently they are doing anyway? Yeah, um, the part, I kind of misspoke. The part where the ban comes in is that they, the NFL basically told him if anything of this nature comes up again, that the likelihood that the next punishment would be a ban. So that's where that kind of comes in at. If they told him that, then yeah, he definitely should be, uh, he should be banned because that's, if if that was the conversation, they need to stick to their word and and keep that conversation. Keep that word. Yeah, I think the biggest uh, misjustice here is like you stated in your first initial statement is that, you know, they make such a deal on a fuss and bend over backwards to keep people out for the anthem and, and make sure that everybody's standing up and all this, you know, hand wringing they're doing over that when, you know, actual people are being hurt by their, their players and their employees and, you know, they're supposed to be in this all of a sudden discipline game now and they can't even stick to their, you know, minimum, you know, punishments. It's just, you know, uh, I think Dominique Foxworth was bringing up that it should probably be more like the drug policy where it's just kind of like when you do this, this is what happens and there's, you know, no wiggle room to it. Whereas this still has Roger Goodell being able to kind of listen to people and, and arbitrate, you know, obviously from the six to the three to the four or whatever. It always seems like it's going less than the six and nobody's getting punished more than the six. And the only person who did get six was uh, Ezekiel Elliott. And I think his case might have been the loosest out of, you know, did it deserve six or not? So. You know, it's, it just seems like they're, you know, just throwing darts, right? Just throwing darts and, you know, whoever it happens to land on, you just happen to be, you know, right. sorry, you got the bad day, you know, that time. So, um, and our final bit of NFL news will be some on the field news as it looks like Cam Chancellor is set to walk away from football due to a lingering neck injury. Uh, the guy who put the boom in the Legion of Boom. 
uh, uh, it's just like he's going to call it quits for, for health reasons. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that he's making such a conscious decision to, you know, think about the rest of his life as, you know, and put the, you know, the money and the fame, you know, to the side. So this has dealt another huge blow to a, a secondary that was once the strength of the whole Seattle Seahawks, not only just the defense, but the whole team, the identity of the team. Now there's no Richard Sherman. Cam Chancellor is going to uh, retire. Uh, Earl Thomas is is unhappy and wants to be traded and looks like he may uh, sit out uh, training camp. So uh, talk about the the, the, the the changing face of the Seattle secondary and how does this affect the you know their season and what you expect from them as far as winning a division making uh, the playoffs you know, that's good to compete with los angeles and now san francisco and i think seattle's probably going to finish third in the west this year especially if uh the rams repeat what they've done and the 49ers follow up that wonderful start for jimmy garoppolo um and, you know, now the Seattle Seahawks, I mean, they still got Russell Wilson. They still got some resemblance of an offense, but, yeah, it's not a good look for the, for a team that identified itself on defense. And now they are at the point where it's literally the end of an era. And like you said, um, I'm glad that Camp Chancellor is walking away while he can still walk. It's better to do this now and try to continue this kind of resemblance to the wrestler Edge uh, back in the day. So, but he uh, walked away because of the next final injury. So, you know, do it while you can. You know, think about the future, think about the rest of your life, like you just said, Don. So, hats uh, off to Tim. The camp chancellor uh, does hurt the Seahawks' uh, chances. And they got to get a new identity now. I mean, this is the LOB is officially gone. Yeah, uh, this may uh, do one or two things. This may elevate Russell Wilson into a, a new stratosphere as far as, you know, most people think of him as kind of a game manager, you know, do enough to win, but not necessarily be the reason they do win. This may make him have to change his kind of whole playing style because it looks like they're going to be involved in a lot more shootouts and offensive type of uh, matchups if their defense isn't going to be able to, you know, hold teams down like they have in the past. So this may lead to Russell Westbrook, I mean, excuse me, uh, Russell Wilson having a, a MVP caliber season if they're going to be successful and win games because it looks like they're going to have to maybe start trying to outscore some teams. And like you said, that division is loaded. I mean, you know, if Arizona can get their quarterback situation straight, I mean, you know, their defense is still good. They've still got David Johnson. If they can figure out some monetary things with him uh, to pay him to get him into training camp, they still got him. Fitzgerald's there for his last year. So, you know, they're still going to be a threat. You know, I wouldn't sleep on Arizona all the way. And then, like you said, the firepower that uh, San Francisco and um, the Rams are going to throw at you. Um, and then the Rams, you know, with their – you know, all their additions on defense, if, it, you know, if they can take their secondary additions and they become the new Legion of Boom with their offense, man, they could be uh, lights out for the whole NFL, not just the right. NFC West. Uh, like you said, um, so let's get back to Bob Myers really quick as we wrap this up. Um, M- NBA guy, like you said, they just built this brand new stadium that's about to open next year. 
they got the rings. They're going to have the ring ceremony and they got Boogie Cousins. How much money is he banking on coming in and revenue wise just off new stadium champions and a new attraction and Boogie Cousins at an addition to that team? Because it's the Chase Center in San Francisco. So, like I said, this is a privately funded arena in San Francisco. Because you remember when the when Peter, when the, uh, Joe Lakeup and Peter Goober bought this team, they put the SF on their logos when they changed their logos up. They put the they put that SF. So they were always going to move back to San Francisco, and so. This is a this is a um, arena that is they're building this arena that is about I want to say a good I want to say the final I'm looking for the final figure right Word. yes yeah like like you you look at the West Bay and you'll be able to see this glistening building right, right there. I mean, it's in a beautiful location. It's right off the wharf. It's literally uh, like docked so onto the water. It's about five hundred million plus. Uh, I would say about. I'd say the final bill is about seven hundred fifty million, privately funded. Then you get the revenue from the playoffs. Um, revenue from the, these four straight playoff runs. So that's a good. I want to say they're probably raking in about a billion for a billion. And then the luxury tax, you got the luxury tax, a hundred, about 123 million. They're a repeat, they're a repeat offender of the luxury tax. So they pay in about double that. So this is a team that is paying so much money for the, for all of this, but they are loaded. They are. They have the money to do it, and and you know they want to keep saying they can keep going for as long as they damn well please. Exactly. Especially if teams keep giving them discounts to come join them. <laughs> so. Uh, I just forgot to kind of throw that in there because uh, that the Rams kind of, you know, made me think about that because that's kind of what they're going for in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They're trying to next year when they open up their new building, they're trying to have that playoff revenue, Super Bowl recognition and new stadium recognition to kind of generate the revenue. Uh, the extra don't forget, revenue to too, they're they going to get revenue from the Chargers season. as well because the Chargers are a tenant in that stadium. And, and the Chargers are our favorites to win the AFC right, West. Right. So we could see uh, all L.A. Super Bowl before the L.A. Stadium even opens. <laughs> so, um, you know, we'll be getting deeper into the NFL as, you know, training camps do start opening this month uh, at the end of July. So we'll start, you know, giving you guys our division Absolutely. by division previews. So please stay tuned to know the score for that uh, yes. through July and August and the first part of September. So now, Dwayne, I'm opening it up to you, man, for your final thoughts. Shout out to everybody on CSBN. Shout out to all my friends and family. And as always, you know, thank you, Don, for always having me on. And and, um, I got to get back to work in a little bit. So uh, just shout out to everybody. Uh, Much love. All right. I'd like to get my final thought. 
to NASCAR. We had a great finish this weekend in Chicagoland as Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch uh, were battling down in the final laps. We got a bump and run by Kyle uh, Larson that turned into a bump and spin from Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch ended up winning the race. Kyle Larson uh, saved his car, ended up finishing second. It was the first race that Dale Jr. called in the booth. So there's a lot of exciting things happening all at once and uh, just made for a great moment for NASCAR. They really needed something uh, like that because the interest has really started to wane as far as, you know, the season this year. We've had three guys kind of run away with all the wins and not really much drama or much excitement. But for this weekend, it definitely set up for uh, a great finish and it's going to lead into a, a lot of people talking about NASCAR heading into this Saturday night's event as we head back to Daytona. So Daytona is always fun, especially at night. So uh, fireworks will definitely be on the racetrack and in the sky afterwards. So just give a big tip of the cap to Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch for that finish uh, this Sunday in Chicago. And on that note, for my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne, I'm Don DeLorente. And now you know the score.